Luke 11 and Matthew 6, as we get into our text, um, specifically is, uh, we're going to be walking through what is the most popular prayer that Jesus um, ever prayed. It's called the Lord's Prayer. Many of you know it. You're probably familiar with it on some level. Some of you have it memorized. Um, and we're going to kind of unpack it a little bit today because what you're going to see is that Jesus, when he, when he talks about the Lord's Prayer, or when he gives his disciples the Lord's Prayer, it is in response to a question that they ask him um, about, about prayer, how to, how to pray. And so we'll jump in here, Luke 11. I want to read um, the first, first four verses. It's, it's obviously really short. Here's what it says. Now, Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. Speaking of John the Baptist, John the Baptist taught his followers to pray, and so Jesus' disciples are, are watching Jesus. And it's not just that, oh, this is important, it's not just that um, they heard the things Jesus said, they watched the way that Jesus lived. They watched the things that, that Jesus saw as important. And I've always thought this was interesting. Like these guys followed Jesus around for three years and they saw Jesus do a lot of really unbelievable stuff. They watched him preach and teach with power and authority uh, like no one they had ever seen before. But they didn't ask Jesus, teach us how to be better preachers. They watched him perform miracles, lots of miracles, pretty awesome miracles, right? But they don't ever ask Jesus, hey, show me how to turn water to wine. That seems pretty awesome. I'll be a hit at all the parties, right? Like they don't, they don't ask Jesus to show them, hey, that walk on water thing, I'd love to do that. Like they don't ask him to show them how to do miracles. But when they watch Jesus pray, this is their specific question. Teach us how to pray. We want to know how to pray the way that you pray. And so in response to that, here's Luke's recording of the Lord's Prayer. It's really, really short. He says, and he said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our sins. For we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us and lead us not into temptation. That's it. That's it. Pretty short, pretty sweet, pretty simple, right? That's it. Now, we're going to look at Matthew's version, which is a little bit longer, but not much, in just a minute. Um, but prayer, listen, prayer is one of the most important disciplines that we as Christians can practice. Um, and, and really, a proper understanding of God is foundational to prayer. If you don't have a proper understanding of who God is, prayer will be very hard and very difficult and probably not something that you really want to do. And one of the reasons prayer is so foundational to us as Christians is because our view of God is different than other world religions. Um, some people have this, this idea, some religions have this idea that God is up there, he's out there somewhere, kind of overseeing things in a big way, but not that he's intricately involved in the details and the affairs of our life. You've probably heard some people refer to God as like the man upstairs, which evokes this idea that there's some being up there and out there somewhere, but he doesn't really know what's going on in my life. But the Christian God is very different. God is personal. God is close to us. God cares about the affairs of our life. We talk about Jesus being our personal Lord and Savior. Like, he desires relationship with us, and that's very different than other world religions. Our God is not some deity in the sky that needs to be appeased. 
Our God is not like someone you have to work really hard to attain his favor. The Bible talks about God being a God that loves us as his children. That is the way God wants us to approach him as children to a good and loving father. That's, that's number one when it comes to prayer. It's we approach him, God wants us to approach him as children to a good and loving father, which means when I hear that, the first thing I think about when it comes to prayer is that we don't need to overcomplicate it. Sometimes I think we overcomplicate prayer. There's a lot of material out there about prayer, right? There's books written on prayer. There's different types of prayer. There's articles on prayer, blogs on prayer, uh, all different types of, I mean, there's, there's no shortage of information out there about prayer, which causes some of us, I read, I've read a lot of it, and it, it causes me sometimes to be like, man, I'm not very good at this prayer thing. Anybody feel like they're not good at prayer? Anybody feel like I don't pray enough? Yeah, not me too. I don't know if you know if I'm supposed to say that as a pastor, but I don't, right? Because, in fact, there were some studies done that show that most Christians um, that are dissatisfied with their prayer life, which is most Christians, by the way, um, it, it, it kind of boils down to most of them don't feel like they spend enough time in prayer. So it's like this, we all feel like we should be praying more than we actually do. And what I want to do today is just give you a little bit of confidence because if we're going to approach God like a good father, like at the end of the day, prayer is us simply talking to our heavenly father. That's what prayer is. We're talking to our heavenly father who loves us and wants to hear from us. That's, that's what it is. And if I could just give you maybe a little bit of encouragement, I would remind you that scripture records over a dozen specific prayers that Jesus prayed over a dozen specific prayers, along with several other parables on the subject of prayer. And all of them, all of the prayers Jesus prayed are actually pretty short and simple. They're not long, drawn-out prayers. The longest recorded prayer we have of Jesus is in John 17. It's called the High Priestly Prayer. In John 17, the whole chapter, John 17, is his longest prayer that we have recorded. And you can read the whole thing in about three minutes. Right? It's, it's pretty short. And then the Lord's Prayer that we just looked at, easily the most popular prayer that Jesus ever prayed, is noted for its brevity and its simplicity. And so I think sometimes we overcomplicate it, but God wants us to approach him like a good and a loving father. That at the end of the day, prayer is us talking to our heavenly father. That's how Jesus taught us to pray. Look over with me, if you would, at Matthew chapter 6. In Matthew 6, we again see the Lord's Prayer. Uh, this is probably the, the one that most of you are more familiar with. It's a little bit longer than Luke's version. And we're going to jump into the Lord's Prayer, but I've always found it interesting in Matthew 6, when Jesus is teaching on prayer, before he tells them what to do and how to pray, he actually starts a few verses earlier with what not to do and how not to pray. Sometimes when it comes to prayer, what we shouldn't do is as important as what we should, okay? And so... I want to just kind of start in uh, Matthew 6, verse 5, where Jesus is going to first tell us what not to do in prayer. Here's what he says. And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogue and at the street corners that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door. And pray to your father who is in secret, and your father who sees in secret will reward you. Now, I love this because this is the Sermon on the Mount. 
At the Sermon on the Mount, there was a lot of different people in the audience, okay? There were random people just from the area that had come to hear him. His disciples, you know, certain disciples um, are are listening to him. The Pharisees, the religious leaders, they've come to, to, to listen in on what Jesus, this rabbi, has to say. And so you have a lot of different people in the audience. And I love this because Jesus starts his teaching on prayer, talking to his followers, Other people are listening in, including the Pharisees, and and follow me. It's as if Jesus says, hey, guys, when you pray, first, don't be like those guys, right? Like, he's literally, like, telling them, don't be like the... Listen, they love to pray to be seen. Like, listen listen to how holy and pious we are. They love the audience, man. The religious leaders loved the audience. They wanted other people to see how, how great they were. And Jesus starts by saying, prayer is not about you being heard by other people so they can appreciate how godly you are. Instead, he's like, no, man, get some time alone. Go into your home, go into your room, close the doors, like carve out some time. Tune in, pay attention to God. It's about, it's about you and God. That's all it is. That's all it is. My first point when it comes to prayer is to be consistent. Be consistent. When I read this first passage about what to do and what not to do, if you're going to go into your home, go into your room, close the door, you're carving out some time to get alone to be with the Father. Get alone to be with the Father. I know some of you already do this. Some of you may struggle with this, but if you're like me, there's a lot of things in life we know we should do or we we know that we should do more of, but those things tend to get crowded out by a lot of other stuff, doesn't it? And I know that some of us would like this like spontaneous sort of impromptu relationship with God. Um, We're not saying that the time you carve out is the only time you pray. You can still be spontaneous and impromptu, but if you don't carve out some time, it usually won't happen. It usually won't happen. So whether that's morning for you, again, lunchtime, in the evening, whenever that time is where you can carve out a little bit of time, again, a little bit of time. We're not saying you gotta spend you know, five, six hours in prayer. We're just saying a little bit of time to be with, to spend time with the Father. Um, and going with the analogy of kids, you know, kids responding to their father, I, I would tell you that kids, they can be remarkably consistent, can't they? Like when your kids need something, they're pretty consistent at asking, right? I know like my boys, I was thinking about this. When they were younger, I have one that's still younger, but my others are older. But when they were younger, if we didn't talk about lunch by around 11, 11.30, they were asking us for lunch, right? Uh, make me a sandwich, right? Like they, they, I don't remember any day at all where we went through the whole day. And at the end of the day, my kids were like, you know, I didn't even think about food today. Never even asked about it. Maybe I should eat some. Like they don't, that's not how kids... When kids are hungry, when kids need something, they're pretty consistent about asking for it. We need to be consistent in our prayer lives. Be consistent. Well, the second thing then he jumps to in Matthew chapter six is another thing not to do. So in verse seven, he says this, and when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your father knows what you need before you ask him. The second thing I want to make sure you understand is that like big words and spiritual language does not impress God. Big words and spiritual language does not impress God. Um, There's a lot of different ways you could say this next point, but when it comes to your prayers, just be real. Man, just be real. Be, Be authentic, if you want to use that word. Be honest. Be you. Be you. 
You don't have to dress up your prayers with spiritual jargon. Um, listen, when my kids are going to ask me for something, when they're hungry and they need a sandwich, they don't like put on a disguise and pretend to be a kid that I love more than them and act like they're super, you know, great. Like they don't, they don't do that. They don't, they don't come with big fancy words. They don't change their lingo when they talk to me. They don't, they don't approach me and go, oh, dearest father, I beseech thee that thou might maketh me a sandwich. Like they don't, they don't do, that'd be really funny if they did that. They don't, they don't talk that way, right? And so when it comes to prayer, we don't need to like dress it up and sound super holy and spiritual and like we can just go to God as our heavenly father and be real and be honest and be authentic and be us. One of the things I love about the Psalms, this summer we went through the Psalms and I talked about this, but like the Psalms are songs, but they're also, a lot of them are prayers where the psalmist is just crying out to God. And what you see on the page is that, man, there is just a vulnerability and an authenticity and a realness. Like when, when David is crying out to God, when David was in need, God knew about it. When David was frustrated with God, he told him. When David didn't know where God was, when it didn't feel like God was close or that God had forgotten him, he told God that, okay? I've said it before, like God's a big boy. He can handle your, your honesty, right? And so when it comes to prayer, we don't have to, you know, dress in disguise and pretend we're holier than we, no. I mean, we can just be honest. We can be real. We can be authentic when we approach, when we approach God. And so Jesus starts, before he even gets into the prayer, he, he starts with what not to do. And we need to be consistent and we need to be real. We need to be authentic and vulnerable there. And then he gets into the actual prayer. And so I want to walk through uh, Matthew's version here of the Lord's Prayer and just kind of um, break it down. And then I want to point out two other aspects of the prayer that kind of are striking to me, okay? So here's the way Matthew records this same prayer in uh, verse 9. Jesus, this is red lettering in my Bible, so Jesus is saying this. He says, pray then, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. So the prayer starts off with, with worship, with adoration, towards God. It's an understanding of who God is and who we are, okay? That's how the prayer starts off. That's a type of prayer, adoration and, and praise and worship, okay? Then he says, your kingdom come and your will be done. And so his prayer is, um, God, at the end of the day, I want, I want your desire, I want your will. It's an acknowledgement, God, you know more than I do. Your ways are better than my ways, that there are things I do not understand and I do not know. I trust that you do know. And so God, at the end of the day, I want your will. I want your will. Then he says this, give us this day our daily bread. This is a, a prayer for provision. God, I need you to provide for me. I need your provision. Uh, some of us read over this line and we quickly just kind of go, you know, give us today our daily bread and we just move on. But the reason we do that is because we have, you know, refrigerators and multiple freezers in our house and big pantries with lots of food. And most of us don't legitimately wonder where our next meal is coming from. But in this day and time, they didn't have those things. And it was a legitimate concern when they woke up every single day going, mm, I might not eat today, right? God, it, I need you to give me today what I need for today. There wasn't this you know, meal planning for the month. There wasn't this thinking long, no, no, it's I need today. I need sustenance for today. God, I need you to show up today and give me what I need today, okay? It's a prayer that God would 
provide. The next line then is, forgive us of our debts or our sins. This is a, a prayer of confession. This is a prayer of confession. It's acknowledging, I'm a sinner. I know that I have sin in my life, and so God, I'm confessing, and I need you to forgive my sin, okay? It's an acknowledgement that I am, I am incomplete, and confession is a big part of our prayers. We confess our sin to God. And then I, I, I love the line here. Um, he says, forgive us of our sins or our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors or those who sin against us. Now, this is a whole other sermon on forgiveness for another time, but I'll just leave this with you. There seems to be a connection here between Jesus, God, forgiving our sin and the way in which we forgive the people that sin against us, okay? There seems to be a, a connection there. It's like, God, I need you to forgive me the same way that I forgive other people. So if you're not willing to forgive other people, you really don't have a right to come to God and ask God to forgive you, okay? Um, that's essentially what, what the prayer says. It's a prayer of confession, forgiveness, and then finally he says, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil or from the evil one. This is a prayer for protection, a prayer for protection. It's not wrong to ask God for God's protection. That's what Jesus tells him to pray. Protect, protect me from the evil one. Protect me from um, the temptation. And so you can see in this very short, concise little prayer, there's different types of prayer um, in this. Now, when I read over this, which I've, I've read this prayer many, many times, um, I, this week I was reading through it thinking, what is it that just jumps out to me when it comes to being a, a childlike, praying to our heavenly father who is good and loving? There's two things that sort of jumped out to me about this prayer that quite honestly, they don't sound like they go together. They don't sound like they go together. So Here's the first one. I read this prayer. The first thing I see is the dependence. There's a dependence in this prayer. There's a neediness in this prayer. When, we come, when it comes to prayer, we should be dependent. We should understand our dependence on God, okay? Um, we pray. We're, we're acknowledging that. We're acknowledging our need before God. That's, in fact, where prayer really starts, is us acknowledging that we cannot do it on our own, but we need God. There's a dependence on God. Um, I love, Philip Yancey wrote a book on, on prayer, and here's what he says. Um, he says, most parents feel pain when a child outgrows dependence, even while knowing the growth to be healthy and normal. But with God, the rules change. I never outgrow dependence, and to the extent I think I do, I delude myself. Asking for help really lies at the root of all prayer. When we approach God in prayer, there is a dependence. We are confessing that we are dependent on God. We're dependent on God. So be dependent. Man, your kid, this again, this whole idea of a child to a father. Children are dependent on their parents. They cannot sustain themselves. And so when we approach God in prayer as a good, as a good and loving father, we are just as dependent. And the second thing that stands out to me that sort of is striking about this, that while there is a neediness and while there is a dependence, there's also a boldness when it comes to prayer. That we should be bold in our prayers, confident in our prayers. And again, those things may not sound like dependent and needy, but also confident. I remind you, Hebrews chapter four, verse 16, the writer of Hebrews um, reminds us when it comes to prayer, here's what he says. Let us then with confidence or boldness draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. We're encouraged to be bold and to be confident in our 
prayers. But here's the thing. The, the, the key is in where that confidence lies, okay? Where does that confidence lie? The confidence is not in us. We don't approach God like entitled, spoiled kids that deserve God to hear us, okay? If you're placing your confidence in your prayers in you as if you've earned it and deserve it and God's entitled, like you're entitled for God to answer your prayer, you're missing where the confidence goes. The confidence is not in us. The confidence is in the God that we're praying to, his ability to hear us and his power and authority to answer. Our confidence is in God, right? Our confidence is in God. In fact, when my kids approach me and their confidence is in them, again, as like entitled, spoiled kids, I usually go, uh, try again, right? That's what you do with, you know, your kids get a little overconfident. No, but they come to you. Kids will come to a parent in utter confidence that they can help them. My kids are little and they need, you know, they need something. They need me to make them a sandwich or make them some. They don't, you know, they don't question my ability to make peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. I'm an expert peanut butter and jelly sandwich maker, okay? They believe with utter confidence that I can do that, right? And so, um, listen, we approach God with dependence, right, and a neediness, for sure, but also with a boldness and a confidence. Richard Foster, who wrote a really great book on spiritual disciplines, he says it this way, children do not find it difficult or complicated to talk to their parents, nor do they feel embarrassed to bring the simplest need to their attention. Neither should we hesitate to bring the simplest request confidently to the Father. We pray with a dependence. We pray with a boldness and a confidence, not in us, but in our God. And then finally, the other point that I wanted to make, and this one's going to sound like, um, for us as like earthly parents, it's, it's going to sound like, does God really want that? Are we really sure? But it's pretty evident in Scripture that he does, and that is this, that we need to be persistent in our prayers. Be persistent. And the reason I say that that doesn't sound right is because let's be honest, if you're a parent in here, your kids are overly persistent, it's annoying, right? You're like, stop asking. Like they just, kids can just be persistent, constantly asking. And so for us, it's like nagging, it's like bothering us. And so for us who are often not very patient parents, right? It, that, that's annoying to us, and so it sounds a bit confusing when we say be persistent, but, but there's a, several different places in Scripture where it seems like God wants us to be persistent. Back over in, in Luke 11, back over in Luke 11, right after the, you know, the disciples ask how to pray, he gives them a very short version of the Lord's Prayer, just a few verses. Well, right after that, still teaching about prayer, he says, Jesus says this, and he said to them, well, which of you who has a friend will go to him at midnight and say to him, friend, lend me three loaves for a, for a friend of mine has arrived on a journey and I have nothing to set before him and he will answer from within. Do not bother me. The door is now shut and me and my kids are in bed and I cannot get up and give you anything. I tell you, though he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend, yet because of his impudence or persistence, he will rise and give him whatever he needs. And I tell you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks it will be opened. What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him. 
right after telling the disciples how to pray and walking through a very brief version of a prayer, he follows it up by talking about this story of persistence. And again, while we can be annoyed by that, it appears that God's saying, be persistent. And just so you know, that's not the only place. Over in Luke 18, Jesus tells a whole story. It's called the parable of the persistent widow. The parable of the persistent widow. In Luke 18, it's pretty short. It says, and he told them a parable to the effect that they ought always to pray and not lose heart. So he's literally gonna tell them this parable about prayer. And here's how the parable goes. In a certain city, there was a judge who neither feared God nor respected man. And there was a widow in that city who kept coming to him and saying, give me justice against my adversary. And for a while he refused, but afterwards he said to him, though I neither fear God nor respect man, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will give her justice so that she will not beat me down by her continual coming. That's what it feels like when my kids are persistent, right? They're just beating me down, right? And the Lord said, hear what the unrighteous judge says. And will not God give justice to his elect who cry to him day and night? Will he delay long over them? I tell you, he will give them justice. He'll give it to them speedily. Nevertheless, when the son of man comes, will he find faith on earth? So again, we hear these stories about persistence and and we think God doesn't wanna be bothered. Because in our human nature, that's how we feel. We don't want to be bothered. But again, it's just a reminder that God is a good and a patient God. And apparently, according to the scripture, God wants us to be persistent. So keep approaching the throne of grace with boldness and confidence. Keep being real and authentic. Keep going to God over and over and over again because God wants to hear from his children. God wants to hear from us. The last thing that I would say just when it comes to prayer, because anytime we talk about prayer, I I often get this question. And I don't know that I have a great answer, but I'll I'll have an answer. (laughs) Um, I often get the question, well, if God already knows what we're going to ask before we ask it, if God already knows what we're gonna say before we say it, then what is the point? Like, what is the purpose of prayer? Like, why pray? And um, again, I'll refer to uh, Philip Yancey's book on prayer. He says this, when it comes to prayer, he says, I remind myself that the son of God who had spoken worlds into being and sustains all that exists, felt a compelling need to pray. He prayed as if it made a difference, as if the time he devoted to prayer mattered every bit as much as the time he devoted to caring for people. Jesus prayed regularly. Jesus prayed consistently. Jesus prayed often. There's times in the Bible where we see Jesus got up very early in the morning um, and he got away to be alone with the Father. All the morning people love that verse. My dad loves that verse. He's a morning guy. He's like, see, get up in the morning and pray. Okay, there's another verse that says, Jesus went away into the evening to pray. And all the night people are like, yeah, that's way better, like nighttime. Like they, they carved out time at night. And so Listen, when you, when you pray, it's not, it's not the big deal. Like we're all kind of wired differently. We all have our, our schedules and our routines. There's time where it fits and we're more attentive. But the important thing is that we carve out some time to get alone to be with the Father. We don't need to overcomplicate it using big words, pretend we're more holy than we are. Man, we pray because Jesus prayed. Jesus prayed like it made a difference. God is a good and loving Father who wants to hear from 
his children. And so we approach God with boldness and with confidence, not in us, but in him. Would you bow with me? Father, we're grateful today that you are indeed a good and a loving father. And that, that God, you want to hear from us. You want to have relationship with us. And God, that is, that is very different than the view of God that most other world religions carry. That you're a personal God who loves us as your children. And so God, we just, we're just grateful for that truth. Lord, I pray that you would just give us some confidence in our prayer lives. I know that a lot of people in here feel like me and that is that they don't pray enough. They feel like they should be praying more. Maybe they feel like they should be praying longer. And God, I pray that just looking at this simple and brief prayer, the Lord's Prayer, that it would just remind us that you're not after some long, drawn-out prayers from us, that we don't need to overcomplicate it, that we can simply approach you as a good and a loving Father. And we can do that, God, with confidence. We can do that with boldness. While at the same time, we recognize our dependence on you. And so, Lord, I, I just pray that you would help us that you would give us time, give us grace, give us what we need to spend time with you, to have relationship with you. Whether your answer to our prayer is yes or no or wait, whatever it may be. We pray this today in Jesus' powerful name. Amen.